0: I can tell you that, and I know this sounds like, you know, woo-woo crap, but I can tell you that 99% of it is just what's going on in your mind, right? It's just, it's to to only work 20 hours a week. And when I say work, I mean actually being in front of the computer or being on the phone or being on the keyboard or actually being physically in the building. To only work 20 hours a week is just a decision. it's just a choice. (laughs)
1: Hey there and welcome to another episode of the High Level Spotlight Sessions where we showcase awesome marketers doing awesome marketing. Today, I'm bringing Troy Dean back to the show. If you haven't checked out his earlier spotlights, I don't know if we've done more than one already, Troy, but... I think this is the
0: first one, Chase.
1: No, we've definitely done at least one. Have we?
0: I don't remember. There we go. I
1: I think we have. So maybe
0: I'm wrong. I'll believe you. I'll believe you.
1: But Troy, thank you so much for being on today.
0: Oh, pleasure, man. Thanks for having me.
1: He's got an amazing new background. The last time I spoke with Troy, it was a completely different setting, which was cool, but not that cool. And so, yeah. kudos to the new setup.
0: Yeah, it's good. I think the last time we spoke, I was working from home, and now we're in a in a new building. Uh, we've we've done, <laughs> we've spent a lot of time and a lot of money fitting out this new building for a live streaming set here, and then down the other end of the room, we in the middle of the room, we have this great big uh, creative space for shooting video content. Uh, We're about to hang a green screen up. And then the other end of the room, we have a custom built control room for doing audio post-production on podcasts and voiceovers and stuff like that. And a standalone vocal booth. So I can go in there and sing my David
1: Bowie covers and not annoy (laughs) anyone. So that's fun. Well, that's amazing. So Troy, you're the founder of Agency Mavericks. How do you describe Agency Mavericks to somebody in a sentence?
0: We fix agencies. That's what we do at Agency Mavericks. Uh, Agencies typically come to us with one of a few problems. They either have inconsistent deal flow, uh, they don't know how to close, they don't know how to hire, they're trapped in the business, they're not profitable enough and we dig in, analyze what's going on and and you know the right pill based on where they're at and mm-hmm. fix them.
1: And how many agencies would you guesstimate you've worked with over the years?
0: Uh, well, it's across over three and a half thousand across all of our different uh, programs. We have a bunch of online courses that are like self-paced learning that kind of solve specific problems. And then we have some guided coaching programs that again, focus on different parts of, of the agency. So the guided coaching programs have been going since about 2018 from 2013 through to 2018, we were known as WP Elevation
1: hmm.
0: and we specialized in, in kind of helping WordPress freelancers grow up and become Con consultants and CEOs and when I mean grow up I'm, I don't mean that disrespectfully I mean most of most WordPress freelancers kind of ended up in business by accident because they knew how to wrangle WordPress and people started offering them money for websites and then they freaked out and they had no idea how to run a business so we helped them kind of graduate into agency owners and then in 2018, we we started the guided coaching programs because I wanted to spend more time with our customers and I wanted to kind of work more closely with our customers. And in an online course platform, you don't have that luxury because they're just doing their own thing. It's kind of like a DIY model. And then in July 2021, we rebranded to agency Mavericks because we realized that uh, even though WordPress is still the main tool that most of our agencies use for you know, their, their mothership website, Uh, that it really wasn't about the technology. We have, you know, we have Shopify agencies. We have, uh, I think we have a Drupal agency. We have straight up ad agencies. We have SEO agencies. So it became more about the people and less about the technology. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'd had Mavericks Club for a a couple of years at that point, which is our high-end mastermind. And so it made perfectly sense just to rebrand to agency Mavericks.
1: And it's a great brand. Um, Before we talk about the stuff that we have outlined for our chat today, I want to talk about, your setup and everything that you just talked about in your new building, because what's interesting to me is I feel like experienced agencies, successful agencies are getting this podcasting, the importance of investing in your video background, these kind So the agency that I used to run, um, with a guy named Matt Coffey, he's since I left the agency, opened up a product around running podcasts for clients, right? Like helping mm. them see the importance of all of this. Talk to me about that. Why did you invest so much money in that beautiful looking background and the studio that you described and all of that?
0: You know, it's funny. I was talking to someone the other day and because there's been nothing but problems since we moved in here. right? And I don't mean, <laughs> I don't mean problems with the building. I just mean problems that you have to solve, like technical problems and like As I explained in the green room before we hit record, at the moment, I'm looking down the barrel of a camera on a tripod. In front of that is a teleprompter. In the tray of the teleprompter is an iPad, which is mirroring my screen here and flipped so I can look at you and have a conversation with you, but also eyeball the camera at the same time. That's taken two days to get that bloody thing to work, right? I've also got three 43 inch high definition television screens on, on mobile carts around me here so that when I run summits and live events, I can see the audience. I can see the chat comments up close, massive technical uh, problems to solve. And I said to someone the other day, I could run this business from my car, right? I don't need any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. It just wouldn't be as much fun. So first (laughs) of all, like this is fun. If I'm going to come to work for most of the week, I want to have fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, the second thing is i think that you know i got to a point where i was just tired of watching live streams or listening to podcasts where you're looking up someone's nostrils or they sound like they're in a sewage tunnel and so you know i wanted to take our production to the next level i wanted it to look professional i wanted it to sound professional uh and The, I think that's a differentiator in itself. And I think doubling down on the investment in the production shows your audience that you're serious about what it is that you're delivering. And I, I will have this argument with people and they will win when that, when they will say, well, I don't need to spend all that money and do that. I can run a very successful business from my spare room and my iPhone. I'm like, happy days, knock yourself out. Um, This is part of, part of this is my sweet spot is being on camera or behind a microphone, communicating, educating talking, thinking, philosophizing. You know, some people will say that I'm just flapping my gums and rabbiting on or talking shit. And that's totally fine. But this is my sweet spot, right? This yeah. is this is where I have fun and this is where I do my best thinking. And so <clears throat> I wanted to build a couple of things. I wanted to build this this kind of adult play center. It's like mm-hmm. a it's like a it's like a daycare center for adults, right? We come in here and we can create. Um, and second of all, I wanted, I wanted to work with some other I wanted to work on some other projects. Like, so my business at the moment in pretty good shape. It's being run by a team, which are doing an amazing job. I've frankly got, you know, probably half the week up my sleeve where I can do what I want. And I want to work on some other projects. I want to bring other people in here to, I do a little bit of work with some nonprofits and some um, local businesses in the mental health space and in the parenting space and, uh, anyone kind of in education and self-development and coaching around mental health or parenting or drug and alcohol or anything like that, I want to be able to bring them in here and let them use the space to create YouTube content, to create podcasts and do all that stuff because I, I, I want to have that impact. Uh, outside of what I'm doing here at Agency Mavericks, I want to be able to have some kind of impact on the world in a positive way and having the resources here and having the skills to be able to invite people and in to collaborate on those projects with them excites me. We're not a studio for hire. I've been very clear about that. You can't just come in and use the space and dry hire it. I'm not interested if people want to come in here and make ads to sell burgers, that doesn't interest me at all. Um, but I do want to collaborate with other people. Uh, and also we have, we have some agency clients that I think who are local, who I think will be interested in coming in here and shooting some content and creating some so podcasts. And you that's know. an
1: amazing point. And I think it's a good segue into the next piece of the combo, but I, I want to reiterate a couple of things that you pointed out. that I thought were really great. One of course savvy agency owner could run a business from a iPhone in the backseat of their car if they wanted to. Sure. No sure. doubt. But there is, I would counter that by saying, if I'm shopping for an agency and I get on with you and you look like that, mm. there is no doubt that the impression it makes upon me is, whoa, this guy's mm. successful. They had mm. money, enough money where the, it didn't have to go into advertising or whatever it went into that. And clearly that's, you know, they're serious about what they're doing. And so I Mm. I just think what an impression it makes. The other thing, if I'm an agency owner, I'm I'm looking at this and hearing this thinking, wow, especially if you're an agency owner targeting clients in your community, the idea Mm -hmm. that you could bring them in and have a content factory that they can leverage as part of the value that they, you know, you provide to them. Is very intriguing, right? Because Mm -hmm. to me, if I work with dentists, it's like, oh, wow, like I could have professional level content created for me by this agency. They're in my town. I just roll up to their studio. Maybe it's once Mm -hmm. a quarter. You turn out a bunch Mm -hmm. of fantastic content for them that you leverage throughout the year. So I think it's very, very cool. But you mentioned, hey, you have half of your week. do Mm. what you want with it right and that was Mm. one of the things that we were going to talk about today (laughs) is how to earn more by actually working less Mm. and so you know you don't just get there out of the gates right you know how do you help agencies that you work with say troy i want half my week to be able to focus on a podcast or building Mm. a cool studio or whatever but from where i am now in the trenches to that just seems like a fantasy
0: Mm. Totally. And this is a conversation I have on a daily basis with agency owners from, you know, all sizes. So our sweet spot, most of our clients are between like a team of three and 20, right? That's the sweet spot where we operate. And I can tell you that, and I know this sounds like, you know, woo woo crap, but I can tell you that 99% of it is just what's going on in your mind, right? It's just, it's to, to only work 20 hours a week. And when I say work, I mean, actually being in front of the computer or being on the phone or being on the keyboard or actually being in physically in the building to only work 20 hours a week is just a decision. It's just a choice. And so at the end of last year I was cooked. I was completely fried. We went away for a camping trip I came back from the camping trip. I was supposed to start restart work on Monday, the 10th of January. I rang my ops manager in New Zealand on the Sunday afternoon, the 9th of January. And I said, I'm not coming back to work tomorrow because if I do, I'm going to make bad decisions because I'm fried. I just need, I need another couple of weeks just to reset my brain, right? I'm just not ready. And the two weeks rolled on and uh, I played a lot of guitar in those two weeks and I went swimming and I went to the gym and I, you know, took the kids to kinder and, uh, are cooked. You know, my wife is coming home from work going, Oh my God, dinner's on the table. Like, who are you? And what have you done with my husband? <laughs> and, uh, and I, then I rang my ops manager and said, well, I'll come, I'm coming back, but I'm not going to work Mondays. And I'm just going to do uh, Tuesday to Friday morning. I'm usually online fairly early in the morning because we have a lot of clients in the U S and because of the time zones, like at 6.00 AM here, just gone 6.00 AM here at the moment. This is, particularly early chase. I just want you to know I'm out of bed early just for you, brother. We appreciate um, But usually I'm online at seven 15, seven 30 every morning. And so by, you know, one o'clock, I have a bit of lunch. And after that, I'm not productive anyway. Like I'm not, I'm done for the day. Like it's, if I'm, if I'm, if I still work, I'm just going to break things because I'm not making good decisions because <laughs> I'm tired. And so I decided to take afternoons off and what happened then is a whole bunch of things, two things happened. One is, is I said, all right, there's a whole bunch of stuff on my to-do list that someone else is going to have to do. Simple as that. So I spoke to my ops manager and said, well, we've got all these things here. We just have to auction them off to the team and find out who wants to do what. But interestingly, what I realized is that probably 70% of that stuff on my to-do list that I was doing just didn't need to be done by anyone.
1: Mm.
0: Right? It was just, I was just faffing about trying to be productive, right? Trying to help the team, trying to, you know, get another growth hack going or whatever it was. And so I made the decision to put some boundaries around my time and to really respect my energy and my time. And then I blocked my calendar out and I made appointments with myself to do other things. So two o'clock in the afternoon, I go for a swim or I go to the gym or I do whatever I go and play golf or I play guitar and it's, it's amazing what's happened. Like, and so I can tell you that from my experience, when you stop working 40 hours a week and you get into 20 hours a week, it's not like your business takes off immediately, but what happened for me is nothing changed. Like mm-hmm. we didn't go backwards, which was mm-hmm. for me was remarkable. It's like, wow, I don't actually need to be, I don't need to drive the bus 24 hours a day. And so I started researching you know, the, the, the one thought that kept coming to me is our best ideas come to us when we're finish the sentence. Our best ideas come to us when we're
1: charged, happy, refreshed. Right. You know what I mean? In a good yeah. state.
0: Yep. Yeah. The most common answer to that question is in the shower, right? There you go. My best ideas come to me when I'm into. I've asked that question to hundreds of agency owners and no one has said, while I'm at work on the keyboard, staring at the internet, (laughs) right? Your best ideas don't come to you when you're in that state. And so I started researching this and I found some research and a study uh, by a guy named Graham Walsh, who was a psychologist in 1926. He proposed this idea. He was in the UK. He actually is one of the founding members of the London school of economics. And he's a psychologist. And he posed this idea that, when you are focused on a problem with your conscious mind, you are actually preventing your subconscious from doing the work it needs to do to solve that problem because you are, because you are distracting your subconscious mind with your conscious mind focusing on this problem. That's why, you know, if you're trying to, well, I remember when I was a coder, trying to crack code late at night would take me, like I'd be working on this piece of code for three hours, go, why can't I do it? Go to bed, get up the next day, five minutes, you're done. It's like, oh my God, it's so obvious to me. Why couldn't I think of that last night? Because I was focusing too hard on it. So he came up with this hypothesis that in order to solve problems, And find creative ways to solve those problems and unique ways to solve those problems. You need to give your subconscious the time and the space it needs to do the filing of the information to then throw up the the possible solutions to your conscious mind. And so he calls it incubation. Hmm. He's like, you need to just get away from the problem, do something else, incubate and let the solution come to you. But well, when I discovered that, for me, it was like someone's given me permission to only work half a, half a week because the rest of the time I'm incubating, right? There you go. So now, we, so now I get in our Slack channels, we get, I get photos from agency owners on the golf course and on their tractor and playing with their kids. And they just get hashtag incubating because they're away from the business. I
1: love that. And I hope our community runs with it because, you know, I had heard that I didn't know who said it or who came up with the theory or whatnot, but I had heard it. And since I've heard it, I'm constantly reminded of it when my brain does it, because it happens all the time, right? Like, and it makes sense when you encounter a problem that you need to figure out, Mm -hmm. your brain doesn't want to do anything other than figure it out. But then you move on to something else, which is a new problem. And now you have a conflict, right? Because your subconscious is still on problem number one. I want to figure that out. And now you're jamming it with something new. So when you go into a relaxed state and you go golfing or surfing or whatever, um, all of a sudden it comes to you and you're like, whoa, okay. When I get back to the office, I have the answer, but it's so funny that it came to me in the shower or on the golf course or wherever, but it's not, it's, it makes a lot of sense. And so incubating, now we have a term to rally around and incubating.
0: uh, (laughs) That's right. Yeah. And so what, what, so Here's what I've also realized is that a lot of people think that they need to get their agency or their business to a certain level before they can take Fridays off. Right. So they're like, if I just get, if I just get it to a certain level, you know, then I can take Fridays off. It's a fallacy. If you operate, That way you'll never take Fridays off. The way to take Fridays off is to block Fridays out in your calendar. Now, maybe you don't want to block every Friday out. Maybe you just want to block every set. Maybe you want to block out one Friday a month and go, hey, the third Friday of every month, I'm taking off. Block it out in your calendar and don't work. You you, you have no permission to work on that day. What happens is the sky doesn't fall in Other people in the team pick up the slack. Other people in the team actually do things better than you because we are not unicorns, which has been a huge lesson for me that I've had to relearn. And I've really learned that this year. And it's been a very humbling experience. And I think humility is a big part of this. When you realize that you're not the best person to do all the things, right? And if you are, you're kidding yourself and you're actually doing your team and your clients a disservice by trying to be the unicorn, so just blocking that time off in the calendar, letting other people run with it and then seeing what breaks and what breaks then diving, when you come back to work, diving in and fixing the system, fixing the process or offering your team more training so that that doesn't break again. And then gradually, I'm not suggesting that you have to do what I did, which is just say, I'm only working half a week this year and just rip the bandaid off. You can do it gradually, but waiting for your agency to get to a certain level before you take time off, you will never take that time off because you will never feel ready you just need to block it off in the calendar, take that time off, and then let your team run in alignment with what you've set out as the priorities for the company. Let your team do their thing, get out of their way, empower them, let them do their thing and watch your agency grow. And I promise you that where the the agencies that we've worked with on this, they are spending less time working and their agencies are growing faster because they're not getting in the way of their team doing the thing, Right.
1: Well, delegation, we all know and would admit that in theory, delegation is key, right? I can't scale if I can't delegate, but we get Mm -hmm. hung up on the delegation is very hard. And I think you hit the nail on the head when it comes to humility, because we believe, Mm -hmm. well, no one can do it as good as me. Mm -hmm. And the time it would take me to like, build a system around that. Mm -hmm. I could just go do it myself in 10 minutes and knock it out. Mm -hmm. And so you just keep doing that. You don't build the system. You don't believe, you don't really believe your team could execute it well. And what I have found in this journey, like we all go through it, right? Is that oftentimes, while it may be true that when you delegate, delegate, the end result isn't to the 100% level that you could do it yourself. Mm But it's at like 85. Mm-hmm. And you know what? There's really no difference in that, right? Like when you mm-hmm. put it out to your customers, you put it out to the market, yep. it performs just as well. Yeah. And that is, a, that is a, a piece of humble pie, right? You're like, mm-hmm. well, shit, <laughs> it worked. It, it, it's yeah. selling, it's working, it's whatever. You know what? I don't need to be so hung up on this 100% perfection ideal because mm-hmm. really 85 performs virtually the
0: same. Yeah. And I think, I think you're absolutely right. And I think there's the, 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 the distinction that I've made over the years is I used to try and document my process and then teach people my process. And I learned this the hard way that my process is generally not the best process, mm-hmm. right? I've seen, I've worked with agencies. I, we, we had an agency client once who kept, went through like eight project managers in a year. Right, I'm like, let's have a let's let's have some truth telling here, right? The problem is not the project managers. <laughs> What's the common denominator in this situation, right? You're hiring project managers and then trying to teach them how you project manage, and they're leaving because you won't get out of their way. And let me tell you something, you're a horrible project manager. So why are you teaching them how you do it? Because you're no good at it. That's why you need to hire a project manager. So I have a better idea. Instead of delegating tasks. There's, this, there's a three-step process I go through here. Instead of delegating tasks, start delegating decisions. And then once you're comfortable delegating decisions, delegate outcomes and let the people find their own process to achieve those outcomes. And what I've found is instead of getting 85% or 90% of the way there, they're 110 115%. They're getting better outcomes than me because they're not trying to follow my process, which is terrible and broken and kind of hacked together because I don't know what I'm doing.
1: Right? That's so funny because I I am on a very similar path within high level, which is I used to spend a lot of time queuing up tasks in ClickUp, hammering mm-hmm. out step-by-step. Step. Here's how I want. It. I want mm-hmm. this like this. I want that like mm-hmm. that. then it's going to go over here and I want it like this. And and by the end of that, it's like, oh man, that, I just spent like half an hour tasking that out. Yep. And lately I have been, now that I have, have more people on my team that I trust, mm-hmm. I really just, I grab my jump share and I turn on a screen record mm-hmm. and I just talk and I say, hey guys, here's the result we're looking for. Here's what, yep. the goal of what we need for this project. Yeah. Here's, you need to know one or two things let me know what you come up with. And then mm-hmm. I open the task, I post the link to the recording and I bail. And yep. so then I come back to them 24 hours, 48 hours later, what's the plan? Mm-hmm. And sure, there might be a couple of things in their plan that I tweak or ask for or whatever, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. It, I get so much of my time back now mm-hmm. because I'm not micromanaging at the yeah. step-by-step level. I'm just free flowing mm-hmm. on a video and then sending them mm-hmm. the link.
0: 100%. And I, and I think your your role as a mentor as a leader is to help them find their own way there. There's there's a couple of things. One, if somebody finds their own process and makes their own decisions in that journey to achieve the outcome, they are, first of all, human beings are very, resourceful, we're pretty lazy, we like to fight, find the most efficient way of doing things. I guarantee I could look at anyone's process that they've been following for the last three years and go and find inefficiencies just because that's the way we do it, right? No one's actually sat down and looked at it and said, "I'm." is there a more efficient way of doing this? You delegate that to someone else, the first thing they're gonna do is go, Let's find the easiest way to do this because the way he does it takes too long, right? So I'm going to find an easier way to do this, still get the same outcome. Doesn't matter if I've taken a few shortcuts or if I've automated something or if I've templated something, we still get the same outcome. But the second thing is once they take ownership of the outcome, they are way more likely to buy into it and to defend it and to work hard to get it because otherwise I'm just doing it because Chase told me to.
1: Right. Well, you're but, the, you're the idiot who told us to do it this way. Like That's you know right. I
0: mean? That's right. And if it doesn't work, it's your fault because it was your idea. Whereas if you right. agree that this is the outcome and they get there and it doesn't work, they have to take some ownership over the fact that it didn't work, which is okay. Cause that's a learning opportunity. Let's, let's figure out why it didn't work and, and get better in the future. And then I think, Our role is to coach them through that, is to identify any speed humps they're going to come across based on our experience. Hey, when you do this, you're probably going to find this and this is how I would do it. But, you know, find your own way Um, and to then kind of try and clear the obstacles, get everything out of their way, let them do their job. And then really, uh, once they get that outcome is to applaud them. And champion them and elevate them and raise them up publicly in front of everyone so that they know they've done a great job and they've achieved that outcome and that they feel significant and they feel like they've made a meaningful contribution. There's one concept here I want to talk about in terms of getting your team to perform better than you could is this concept of the, the two ladders that people climb as they develop as professionals and as and, and, and in your personal life. And the two, if you imagine there are two ladders and you've got your right foot on one ladder and your left foot on the other ladder, you can't climb one ladder without climbing the other, right? You kind of have to climb them simultaneously. And those ladders are confidence and competence. So the more competent you become at something, the more confident you get. Right, So if you go out and you start playing golf and you're, you're slicing every ball, it's a terrible experience. Like I'm not having any fun because I'm terrible at it. We don't like to do things we're bad at. As soon as you start to correct that slice and you start to hit the ball and land it on the fairway, you go, huh, now I'm having fun. I'm, I'm more confident. I'm going to try and get a driver. Instead of just using the nine iron, I'm going to try and get a driver and hit this ball faster because I'm more confident, right? Our job as leaders is to raise them on the confidence ladder so that they can raise themselves on the competence ladder.
1: Mm. I like that. That makes a lot of sense. And it's fun, right? If you can get to the point of humility, I Mm. always have fun when it's like, hey, like when when marketing gets to go show the broader organization a project that's completed or whatever. And it's like, Mm. hey guys, I'm so pumped to show you what the team just did. I had this Mm -hmm. dummy idea to do it this way. The team Mm -hmm. came up with a better way. Look what they did. And everybody loves it, right? The team, like you said, it raises their confidence up. It's fun uh, for me to show people that, hey, people in leadership don't know everything. There's opportunity in this organization to Mm -hmm. spearhead and blaze new paths and all that kind of stuff. And the end result is that you get more time, so it's mm-hmm. it's really a win-win-win every way that you look at it. But yeah. it is a hurdle, right, to get to that point because a lot of people are stuck in that nobody can do it better than me. It's my way of yeah. the highway. I need, yeah. you know, I need to micromanage yeah. this thing to death. Yeah. And So totally. yeah, it, it is a big transition.
0: It is, and I think it's just fear. We're, we were chatting with one of our um, one of our clients yesterday, who he. <laughs> He pings me regularly now and he's like, dude, I just need to hang out because I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. It's like, you just need to tell (laughs) me what I'm supposed to do. We hang out. And most of the time I'm just giving him permission to do nothing. I'm like, dude, just go and sit on the tractor. Just go and play with the kids. Just like, just think just, it's totally fine. Like everything's like, you don't need to do anything right now. You don't need to. And it's weird. It's like, I, I, this year I've had those moments where it's two o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon and I, I, and I'm like, I think I'm done for the day, (laughs) but I might just get back on the keyboard. And then I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm going to go for a run. It's two o'clock. I can't go for a run. I feel guilty going for a run while everyone else is working. I'm like, hang on a second. I've spent 10 years and risked my family's fortune and my family's situation and my family's well-being to build this company and build this team right uh, why why do I feel guilty for taking a Tuesday afternoon off and going for a run I provide we the company provides good lifestyle and good salary for 22 people around the world and like what, what why am I feeling guilty about this right and and then usually what happens, so I, for, I drag myself out of the house to go for a run. And while I'm running on the treadmill at the gym, I'm like, Oh my God, that's a genius idea. Yeah. I've just added a hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue. Just with that one thought. Right. Yeah. And so then I'll just pick up Voxer, Vox, my ops manager, say, Hey, here's this brain fart of an idea. Most of them, by the way, just get parked in the, in the, in the someday Troy's crazy ideas list and they never get action. But occasionally One comes up and it's like, Oh, wow, that works. And that's good. And, Usually the team are like, it's great, man. I'm glad you've had some ideas, but we got this. We know what we're doing. It's all good. If we need you, we'll ask. And so you do spend a lot of time kind of going, well, how am I useful? You know? Yeah.
1: But that's a, that's a very interesting point. And I feel like it's a reminder to folks who have been doing building an agency for a while. The reason you likely decided to build an agency was to have freedom in your life. So if Mm -hmm. you're feeling guilty about taking more time for yourself, (laughs) you, you lost you lost it somewhere all along the way, right? The whole reason Mm. that you chose to start Mm. an agency is to not have Mm. a boss and build a a work-life balance of your choosing. And Mm. I do think agency owners get trapped in that feeling guilty Mm. when really Mm. it's the whole point. It was the whole point when you started.
0: That's right. And that's absolutely right. And I think, so, you know, I think the guilt comes from wanting to, (laughs) so I'm doing this parenting course at the moment, right? Because, because, parenting is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And, and I find myself, I find myself in these moments where I'm like, you know, you, the, it's, you, like just staying calm is like, is taking every ounce of my being to stay calm in this situation right now. And uh, so I'm doing this parenting course. And one of the things that this woman, uh, I can't remember her name, Amy, something uh, it's, it's called positive parenting. And one of the things she talks about is you kids have two buckets that need filling every day. And I can tell you it's not just kids, grown-ups have these same two buckets. Every human, I think, has these same two buckets. And these buckets need filling every day. And if you don't, if you don't intentionally proactively fill these buckets every day, they will come, they will come looking for attention, right? They will come, they will, they'll throw a tantrum, they'll do something to get your attention to get these buckets filled. And the two buckets are belonging and significance. And when I first read that, I'm like, oh my God, this makes perfect sense because they're the two buckets I need filled every day. Right. That's why I find it hard to go for a run at two o'clock in the afternoon because I want to belong to the tribe. I want to hang out with the gang in Slack and I want to feel like I'm making a useful contribution. And they're all like, you've done your job. Go away, piss off, go to the gym, go for a run. It's all good. I'm like, no, 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 I want to be a part of it. And I want to like help. Um, So I think the, if you can, the, for me, the, the decision that I've made and the realization I've come to is that me going for a run at two o'clock in the afternoon is actually the most valuable thing I can do for the team right now is to get out of their way and go think and come up with other ways to partner with strategic partners or other ways to help the team do their job. That's actually the most valuable thing I can do. So that is me making a contribution. It's, I'm just not on the keyboard. I'm not in Slack, I'm not in Teams, I'm not logged in anywhere. I'm just, I'm analog, I'm pl- unplugged from the internet and I'm thinking that's actually the most valuable contribution I can make. And that's been a, 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 that's been a, a, a bit of an aha moment, but it's also a practice. It's something that I have to, it's a daily practice to drag yourself off the internet and just go do something else and incubate.
1: That's very interesting. And I wonder if there's anything we can extrapolate from that and apply to our relationship with our clients. You know, mm. to fill those two buckets for them frequently, mm. right? Like mm-hmm. you're you're a part, we're, we're you're a part of a partnership, you're appreciated, mm-hmm. you do amazing things. Like that that's something that struck a chord in me that I can think back to when interacting with clients is that they don't often get reminded of the value they bring to the world, right? Mm. Like mm. we worked with med spas, that can seem very superficial at face value, Mm -hmm. but they really do give a lot of people confidence that they severely lack every day of the week. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, like you said, we are, we're all kind of still kids that need these buckets filled every day. Mm -hmm. And it's very interesting. I'd love to, to, to see an agency try to mindfully put that in practice of like, Mm -hmm. let's, let's try to fill these buckets for our clients once a week or whatever. And I bet it would lead to better relationships.
0: Totally. So what, one it's really interesting you mentioned that. One of the things that I talk about with our team is I actually, so, I mean, if you want to get really philosophical about this, the reason that I do what I do is because I'm on a mission to democratize abundance, right? I believe that we live in a time where like I've, I've, I've had people come from all sorts of backgrounds, Come And all sorts of geography, geographical locations and all sorts of socioeconomic situations come through our programs and, you know, get out of an abusive relationship because they're now financially independent from their husband or retire their husband or, you know, buy their mom a house because the, you know, they're one of seven kids and the single mom's been like, we've had so many stories come through our programs and and democratizing abundance is not that's not how i started this thing but that's what it's become I've, I, if I, I realize i can get it down to those two words right and what and it's funny because i was talking about agency the other day and i said the reality is i actually care more about your client's success than i do your success as an agency and they were a little bit taken aback they're like well, what are you talking about man like i'm paying you a lot of money to be my coach and you don't care about my success i'm like let me explain if you, if I help you help your clients be more successful, then you will be more successful. And if I've got a thousand agencies that I'm working with and I help all of, and I help them help their clients be more successful, then one, I'm democratizing abundance, but two, my success is then a foregone conclusion because all of your clients are successful, which means you're all successful, which means I'm successful, right? I can't not be. So, one of the things we we're starting to do now is to find stories amongst our agency's clients and tell those stories to our team internally and say, Hey, the work we do here as a, as a, as a coaching company for agencies, this is the impact we're having on the world. We're helping this chiropractor uh, launch a new website and get more clients. We're helping this solar company over here, get, you know, more solar farms built, we helped this company get acquired because they ran this campaign or whatever it is. And our, and we're also showcasing our agency's work. So we're starting to showcase the websites and the projects that our agency clients are building. And what I've been saying to our agency owner clients is you you should be finding out, you should be digging in and, and asking your clients about their customers' success stories. Mm. Right, because that's actually the that's the impact that you're having on the world. It's not just your customer; it's their customers that you're impacting.
1: It's so funny because it it directly applies to what we're doing at High Level, right? We're trying to democratize SaaS revenue for agencies, right? It's the best type of revenue in the world, the lowest churn, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And we're trying to turn give agencies the ability to become software providers by white labeling High Level. Mm. And oftentimes we have the same similar conversations, right? An agency is begging for some feature that they think they need for their agency, and it's like, we hear you, and we'll get there, and, you know, don't worry, but shift your mindset to these features that we know your clients need. Mm -hmm. Set them up for your clients, let your clients make more money, and your agency will benefit, right? And it's just like a subtle mindset shift. Mm. Mm-hmm. But that's sort of the way th- that we think, like, look, we help you by taking care of your clients mm.
0: first,
1: right? Get mm-hmm. them on software that they need and they will happily pay for it month over month without thinking about it. It'll become a utility bill.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then in six months you will call us back and thank us <laughs> for <laughs> helping you make that realization. And I get those thank you calls all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And the, the, agency and it's it, it's humbling for the agency owner to realize that they're just a distribution channel really <laughs> you know what i mean it's not it's not all we're back to agency. humility it's <laughs> just a distribution channel really so uh yeah it's it it, it it is interesting and i think the the um again i think it comes back to like wanting to improve yourself or your own situation is about wanting to make a bigger contribution and feel important and feel valued and, and make a meaningful contribution um, but if you can just kind of take a step back and look at the bigger picture and say, well, you know, there's this great story. Um, my wife follows this football team in Melbourne who hadn't won a, in, and, and they're called the Melbourne Football Club, and they hadn't won a premiership for like 65 years or something. And I follow another team in Adelaide. And when I first met my wife and I got to know her and we started hanging out and we, you know, we're living together and, and I, I'd start, I, like, it was a joke. The Melbourne football team were a joke. That They were like the joke of the competition and they didn't know how to win. And I watched them for years and I watched the heartache that she went through for years. And anyway, eventually last year, they won the premiership and it was amazing. It was just such an incredible, incredible game of football. The captain is this guy named Max Gorn. He's about seven foot tall. He's shaved head and this massive beard and he's an incredible, ruck- he's a ruckman. His job is to, when they throw the ball up in the center of the oval, he jumps up and taps it down to his team. His team last year, in the third quarter of the, fo- of, of the game were on fire. They, it was neck and neck. And then in the third quarter, they just opened up. And their other ruck, Jackson, he was knocking the ball down, to these two guys in the midfield, Clayton Oliver and Christian Petrarca, they would get the ball, kick it to the forward line, they'd take a mark and kick a goal. They kicked about seven goals in about eight minutes, right? It was amazing to watch. Oh, my jaw, We were just watching it going, oh, my God, Melbourne have opened the floodgates. They're going to win this game. It's, it's on, right? The coach said to Max Gorn, who at that point was sitting on the bench having a rest watching, the coach said to Max, the captain, all right, time to go on. And Max said, no way. I'm not going anywhere near that. Watch. Jackson is rucking. Clayton Oliver and Christian Petrarca. We've just kicked seven goals in eight minutes. I'm not going out there. These guys are on fire. Let me just stay here and watch. The captain kept himself on the bench because he realized in that moment that that was the most valuable contribution he could make to the team. No one knew that story until after the grand final, when that story came out, I'm like, that's why he's captain. That is why he's captain of the team
1: wow that's amazing and what a beautiful metaphor for what we've been talking about
0: yeah yeah
1: troy i could wax poetically and philosophize <laughs> with you all day long but i, I know it's Sorry, early man. for you and you've got a, a full day ahead of you um <laughs> well i've got age- half a
0: day ahead of me i've got half a day ahead
1: <laughs> there you go beautiful um agency mavericks if people you know want to learn more from you and what you're doing for agencies where should they head
0: yeah, agencymavericks.com is probably the best place. That's the, the website, the, the blog. The uh, We have a podcast called The Agency Hour, which uh, we live stream into our Facebook group every Thursday morning, Melbourne time. Digital Mavericks Facebook group is, is where that happens. Uh, yeah, just come and hang out and, and get in touch and say hi.
1: And do you guys have a, an event coming up? What's your next...
0: Uh, yeah, we do. We have, so we have, a live, we have a live event, which is an online uh, remote live event next week, actually, which is our um, uh, MavCon event for our Mavericks Club members. Um, and then there'll be another one in, I'm hoping that we're going to start running live events again in September this year. I am, the rumor is that I might be flying out to California in September to run one of our live events in San Diego. So hopefully we can make that happen. Um, and if it does man i'll definitely let you know and hopefully we can cross paths while i'm
1: stateside well let me know because we'll be in i'll be in california in september for traffic and conversions so if it's Uh around that time we could hook up and our first event is going to be in october in dallas so if there's any way you could yeah piggyback the Mm. trip or something we should definitely make Mm. that happen cool awesome. well, what is the date of your live event next week because it, it usually takes us a week or two to get these live but i'll try to push it out so that folks watching right now can make the yeah. event
0: yeah so it's a it's a private event just for our master oh, okay members. Then there's no worries. yeah yeah, yeah. Got it. got yeah so it's next it's next uh next monday tuesday uh us time yeah
1: cool very cool troy thank you so much for coming back i'm still convinced that we we did this before but if not <laughs> Uh, thanks for coming. I'm sure we have. <laughs> Pleasure, Chase. Thanks sure for we'll having do it me. I'll,
0: I'll come back anytime and hang out, brother.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you guys for watching. We will see you in the next one.